Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and it's actually three gays today. We have another guest on the show. Kyle, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure, although I don't know if I would qualify as completely Star Wars loving enough to match y'all. But yes, hi, I am a Kyle Muting, uh, known online currently as at Kylectron on Twitch and etc. Now, I'm Kyle, a the friend of Charles. The reason that I asked you actually to be on because I went and sought Kyle out is because Kyle, I know you and your partner have been watching The Mandalorian together, uh, and yet, and you guys, you guys are pretty into it. But now, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong on this. You haven't seen all of the Star Wars movies. Uh, that is correct. I have not seen whatever the last one of the most recent trilogy was, and I didn't see the like Rogue One or Solo movies. Oh, so you basically haven't seen the only good movies in the whole entire series. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I know. I, I watched the was it the Last Jedi? Okay, that one was, that was it. And I also saw. I forgot about this. Is something I forgot existed until. I actually was doing my homework and I listened to one of the earlier episodes and Charles, you mentioned the Ewoks movies. Ah, yes, I remember the we, best had the, ones. we had the VHS of one of the, of the Ewok movies. Not, I think you said the second one was like straight to TV. So I guess it must've been the first they one. Both they, they both were, they both were, they were straight. They were released on TV first and then they mm-hmm. were released on VHS after the fact. I actually saw them VHS. We would rent them from, from um, blockbuster the blockbuster yeah it was family video where i lived i lived in oh. the middle of illinois so we weren't fancy enough for See, blockbuster we, we lived in we northern illinois <laughs> above you plebs and we so i own we owned a copy of the first one we rented a copy of the second one chicago <laughs> ruins everything for everyone um mm-hmm. they take all of you know the people they take all of the interesting landmarks and all they give us is the governors and then they sell their positions to each other but that's neither here nor there so uh yeah i like lost me i um it you you know this from other discussions about other franchises where it's like i say like yeah i wouldn't consider myself a fan of it but then i inexplicably will have rushes of knowledge come back because my brother and i like we had like a star wars encyclopedia at some point growing up and so i will randomly know some things but I uh, cannot say I'm like a studious of it. Like, I've, I don't know if I've ever rewatched most of the movies. And I am glad on the timing somewhat because we we sort of brought you in on the most reference heavy episode. I was, was going to say, it's like the, it's the most Well, okay, so here's the thing. I just rewatched this episode, you know, in preparation, again, trying to do my homework. And I'm like, I feel like these things are references, but I can't be sure. So I'm going to like you know like propose hypotheses and i would like you to tear them down okay sure i as you can tell bradley and i we we tend to do our homework with the references but you know even we are not perfect before we we jump into it and we're going to jump into the episode pretty quick here uh, i did want to follow up from something i said that i went to target yesterday to buy groceries did uh, not end up buying the groceries, okay. but I did buy the first two High Republic novels. 
no i'm looking ever since uh bradley i think it was you told me that the like there was a walmart or something that had the baby yodas out i was looking for it the smaller mandalorian set the baby yoda it's still not at my local target in la but i do have the first two high republic books at long last well you so know you where can... i saw it again yeah like two days ago walmart uh, barnes and noble really is it everywhere but this one specific target in la I guess so. that... oh my goodness you just order it online I could, but that wouldn't be the proper rush of dopamine that you get from seeing something at the store. You contemplating say whether your bank account can handle it. You say debating that. Debating whether or not you want to get a sugar daddy and then buying it anyway. It's a journey you have to go on, Bradley. There is an art to this. No, you you skip the set where like after this, like the step where after you debate whether or not you want to get a sugar daddy, you quickly glance around the target and see if there's any immediate options. And then reevaluate. Yeah, just whip out Grinder. Anybody want to buy me the Razor Crest? Take I me mean, to Disneyland. I'll let you force choke me. I mean, that's great and all. I is I I know that that's like fun in store and stuff, but like, there's nothing better. Like today, I'm working. I've been working all day, and I'm currently in Miami because I'm filming something, and I am getting like maybe 20 messages a day because I forgot I ordered all this stuff online and they keep getting delivered to my apartment complex. And we have this like locker system. So it tells me like, oh, you have a smart package. Oh, you have a smart package. And I literally have gotten about like seven or eight in the past two days and I'm not even there. So the joy that I am going to receive when I go back home and I have about eight or nine packages to open from Amazon and Target and et cetera, I'm gonna be so fucking happy. like there's something about opening up packages that's 10 times better than shopping in the store it's like christmas but when you're in your 20s and 30s and the economy is busted all right so with that out of the way there's not any news that i can think of that we need to extrapolate on so that means we can as always dive straight Whoa. into the episode did you discuss your gay drinks oh that's a good point. Oh, he caught that. That was he quick. caught that. He caught the running yeah. joke. I was, like, did we even, I was like, I don't even think of that as the joke. And he's like, wow, okay. Well, now uh, we have a reference. Yeah, so we're actually we're recording this later on. Uh, we're recording this not our usual afternoon. So I only have the grande pink drink. I panicked and grabbed <laughs> the first gay thing I could get off the menu. It is the regular pink drink. Uh, but I do have my gay. I walked into the Starbucks. And I literally said, I need something that's not caffeine heavy, right. but still has to be super gay. And I can't explain to you why it needs to be super gay. It just needs to be super gay. Well, I think the process of you going in there, frantically, just you're like, I need something gay. And then just going with whatever is offered to you first, that in and of itself is a gay experience. So I think that counts. <laughs> right. give, me, give me the gayness directly into my veins. I can't do this podcast if there's any lingering straight people on me. And now that that important detail is out of the way, <laughs> thank you, Kyle, for, for catching right. the continuity. On that, we can launch straight into the episode. Bradley, you want to take us in with the yes. our synopsis? What will we be looking at today? 
Well, I'm literally it. looking at it because Kyle's background on Zoom is a screen cap <laughs> from the episode. He's very uh, timely with that background. I like it. It looks good. Um, so today uh, we're going to take a look at The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 5, titled The Gunslinger, uh, where on a familiar desert planet, the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. So uh, we'll start with familiar planet we're going to do here. I know. I was going to say, um, so actually we're going to do it like this. So Kyle, normally mm-hmm. I ask Charles one thing he likes about the episode and one thing he doesn't like about the episode. So I'm going to ask you first. So what is one thing you liked about the episode and one thing you did not without getting in too much detail? But right. Just one little thing that you like. Well, I recently listened to a podcast that was talking about, um, it was like kind of like a postmortem on the dark night. And some of my feelings about this episode are kind of similar to that. And it might just be, you know, a microcosmic example of Star Wars as a whole, but it's like, it's just, it's a lot of fun. But if you look at any part of it too closely, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it like feels like it's supposed to be evoking something, but it's not like necessarily actually getting there if you think about it. But I, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun to watch as well. You know, there are lots of things I enjoyed looking at. If you just like look at it as like as a story or anything like that, it's 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 what it is. It's it's a bit inconsistent, but we'll yeah. get into it all. Well, yeah, and yeah, Star Wars. Get, I was gonna say we can probably get more into that later on because once we get to the whole directed by thing, like that'll probably play into that. Oh, um, interesting. So because there's a little fun fact at the end of there for that'll we'll come back to that. But uh, what's one thing you uh, that was that was the one thing you didn't like about it. Um, or did you say did you say the one thing you liked <laughs> yeah sorry. well there, there's a few things like it was very fun to watch and also yeah. like there's some cool visuals gotcha okay charles what was one thing you liked and one thing you didn't like one thing i liked uh ming na wen okay was the thing i liked mm-hmm. uh, good option we we will always stand her um mm-hmm. being the the woman who's achieved the disney trifecta that's right. Uh, all of her scenes that she was in, it was a good showcase of, of all of her range because they yeah. had kind of her physical presence when she's just in the helmet. Uh, they let her show off her martial arts skills and they let her show off her range as an actress too. Mm-hmm. Even in the few scenes that she had right. where she was talking to that character, I really loved just her throughout the entire episode. Uh, the little bits where she was actually in it. I felt that um, as far as a thing that I didn't like, we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this episode suffered a little bit from too many references. And there was a specific point in the episode where I started going, like checking off the bingo card. <laughs> yeah. There was one thing that's mentioned for Tatooine in the sh- this episode alone. There's one location that's mentioned uh that's well known that's not actually mentioned in this episode and that started to annoy me as a longtime fan of like gotcha. oh they're gonna mention this they're gonna mention that is this the is this the only town on the entire i mean it's a desert planet well yeah it kind of is <laughs> <laughs> and bradley what what about you one thing you liked one thing you disliked and and we'll jump in and um, rip so, this thing apart so my like and dislike is kind of in the same realm because it involves the same thing so i absolutely love Amy Sedaris or Amy Sedaris character of Peli Moto. Um, 
so that was my big like I love her I love her acting I think she's so funny and just her randomness of being in this episode actually makes it funnier like in a way like it's like it's not even supposed to be that serious as soon as she appeared on screen I like laughed out loud I'm like oh my god and this is gonna be great and it it was she's just a delight exactly um but the thing I didn't like was actually involving her and it was anytime she was holding the puppet and I think it's because it doesn't have enough weight to it or something, or I don't know what it is. We'll get more into it later, but I think that it just looks awkward when people hold the baby Yoda puppet when it's not being animated, or if it's like you're only seeing the backside of it or something. It just doesn't seem like heavy. Real. It doesn't seem like it has weight yeah. or real. So it's weird, but we'll get into it later. I had mentioned I had mentioned in episode three, remember we were talking about when he's walking out of the room I had mentioned that there's points where you can tell that they're not animating the puppet, that they're not, that it's just, he's holding a bundle either because you just can't see it or, you know, it's not moving and it is noticeable if you're looking for it. Right. Right. Um, But here, we'll just get into the first scene. So uh, the beginning of the episode opens up with uh, Mando uh, is in some kind of dog fight in outer space. uh, Dog fight in huge quotation marks because he sucks at evading. He's awful at it. It's like (laughs) the first minute is just him getting shot. Right. Um, And yeah, and so like, I thought this was interesting opening wise because, you know, like what we've seen so far out of all the different openings and everything, um, you know, they've either been like a standard space shot, you know, like where it's just like this spaceship is in outer space or it's been our weird artistic openings where it's like the lizard or it's the the shrimp underwater. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's This one just kind of opens up with action, which is good because it does kind of break away from the standard kind of opening. Um, but yeah, It also I, follows up too from last episode where we learned that the bounty hunters are coming after them and then we open this episode with a bounty hunter coming after them and even says the line i have written down in my notes hey it's the line and then mando says that's my line and i went yes that Mm -hmm. is in fact his line it's kind of very clear that's like we kind of need to explain what happened between the end of last episode and the start of this one, but we basically just want to get them to the location and start this episode as quickly as possible. So we're just going to get them, you know, get it set up, which I mean, it's kind of makes sense exposition or not exposition, but it's like the intro part. But I think it's interesting that the open uh, use that one. You were like, you said, you hadn't seen the opens doing that format before, at least my understanding basically on me purely just repeating what you said. I've only rewatched this one episode I have not rewatched any of the other episodes. So I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's what I mean. It, just, it was just different. It was just an action mm-hmm. opening, which we haven't had yet. Um, right. So that was just interesting. And then, like he said before, <laughs> the bounty hunter goes, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold, which is a callback to the pilot episode where Mando says that uh, to someone. And that's why he's like, he's like, that's my line. Um mm-hmm. I wonder if people are in universe, like if he, I don't know whether he came up with that Mm -hmm. or like it's a common thing that maybe he just uses or, or whatever. But I mean, the guy uses it and then it doesn't end well for him. So maybe he should have respected the trademarks. Maybe that's the moral lesson that Disney wants to teach us here. I think so. Um, So the the trademarks or the mouse will get you. So the only other thing that I noticed in this scene, which I 
didn't actually notice as I was watching it. But then uh, when I was looking up the trivia for this episode, they kind of pulled it up and said that um, this exact shot where we see um, the mysterious planet that uh, Mando's going to land on is um, actually reusing Ralph McQuarrie's original map painting from A New Hope. Um, so the opening scene of Star Wars, the motion picture, is mm-hmm. using this. We're using the exact same map painting um, that they use in the movie. So Whoa. they really love. Shot. They really love Ralph McQuarrie. Like a lot of the stuff in Rebels is based off of Ralph McQuarrie designs. Uh, right. Zeb, the character, the the Lasat character, was based off an early concept for Chewbacca. And I bring Zeb up for a specific reason. Uh, later on in I, I can't remember if it's this sequence or right after the opening credits but uh, Zeb actually is relevant to a little easter egg in this episode yeah I mean like you said before there's so many easter eggs <laughs> so it's hard it's to so like much. it's hard to like knock them all down I'm like did I get that one did I get that one did I get that one so I don't know if this is the time to raise this question but I, as a layman, am curious about Star Wars cartography and like how their navigation stuff works. Like, and also how far apart like these planets. Like, basically, like, did so the fuck are we, Kyle? <laughs> I was gonna say like, is that is that a thing where it's like, oh, you know, like so he, he's going somewhere, and you know, at this point, like, I don't think he was trying to go to this planet, but he ended up being closer. But like, what if he wasn't like near a planet when he got shot down? Like, how? Right. Like, what? How? law what would be what would be the result or you know like it it it, that is i find curious like how they navigate between stuff because they when the the tracker fobs and stuff like that it seems the system there is different but i'm very curious how their coordination of you know maps and navigation work so star wars kind of operates on this planets are as close together as they need to be for the story to function Mm -hmm. obviously they've got hyperspace as a thing that you could jump around but like the entire plot of the second and third acts of empire strikes back are that the falcon's hyperdrive is broken and they can't jump into into hyperspace Mm -hmm. and so they move between hoth to the asteroid field to um bespin Mm-hmm. in just without the hyperdrive and a journey that is implied that it might take weeks later on in the mandalorian we also mentioned this too without spoiling too much of the upcoming episodes uh for bradley who's pretending he hasn't seen them uh without spoiling too much there will be a part here where mandal the mando has to move between different planets without a hyperdrive obviously as we know because kyle you are a teacher Uh, And you know that in reality, it takes a very long time to move between planets. In Star Wars land, it looks like it takes a couple of, like maybe a couple of days or a couple of weeks to move between planets. Gotcha. Uh, I wasn't sure if like, the you know, without, like, let's say the navigate, like, I don't know if the navigation stuff is broken or just you didn't use it, but like, it's not like there's a whole lot of landmarks you can see while you're in space other than like the different planets and stuff like that. But even then, like if you get turned around, I just know that I'd get lost. And also- It's interesting that as a, as a layperson coming in and raising this point, 
Because we, we had a discussion about this last week, Bradley. We talked about <laughs> them saying, well, this planet's taken. Right. Like, the whole planet is taken, and the whole planet appears to be like two villages. Yeah. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, it's taken. Right. Well, the way I look <laughs> at it, yeah, the way you look at it, you have to think about it as like shrink. You have to shrink down the universe to like the size of like if if a planet is a planet in Star Wars or whatever, it's really actually like a city. A planet is actually like the size of a city if you think about mm -hmm. it. So like if Tatooine is Atlanta, then that means that Navarro, which is our main planet that we go to or whatever, is mm -hmm. like Miami, Florida. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're so close. They're close enough. They're like nine hours apart, but there's still like just a little bit of a drive. Like it's not a big deal. Like you could theoretically drive the whole way or you can take the airplane ride, which is hyperspace, which is only two hours away. You know what I mean? So mm. you just have to look at it like that. They're just cities, like near next to each other. And most planets are only one whole city because for some reason, the humans on each planet or the aliens on each planet didn't evolve past the whole city. So, you know, they just kind of go, well, this, once our city is established, we got to move to another planet. <laughs> if there is a bright center to the universe, Atlanta right. is probably the furthest from it. Um, so then we get our title screen, which is uh, the Gunslinger, which it's is a very Western game. title. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I didn't write down the movies, but there there is a either an interview somewhere where the director did say that this movie was, or this not this movie, this uh, this episode was heavily, heavily uh, inspired by a, a movie, a Western movie specifically really? one of them is called the gunslinger or something gunslinger i gotta find it but it's a uh, um he he said specifically that it was this western movie that has the word gunslinger in it i think um that references it couldn't couldn't tell right. couldn't tell at all you know i mean just it's just a little too star wars Famously, has never had any Western influence on it whatsoever. <laughs> no, what? You, you're telling me that Star Wars, the motion picture, is not a swashbuckling, like, Western sci-fi movie? Uh, no, it's actually very dry and boring and full of boring science terms. And we're very, very concerned with the minutiae of how the universe works and everything has to be physics accurate. There is no room for fun in our series about the magical space wizards. Kyle is just on the Zoom call, shaking his head in agreement like, yes, we cannot have fun in no. our magic space wizard franchise. No, and like, you just know that if they could say this town ain't big enough, they'd get, a, they would try, but they just say this planet and this planet is taken. That's what they say right. instead. I know they, they yeah. missed opportunity. This planet ain't big enough for the two of us. Mm -hmm. Like that's all we needed to hear. Although I feel like a future episode does have something basically like that. It may also be on this similar Probably. planet. Um, oh, I found it. So it was a Western TV series that um, John Favreau recommended to the director. Um, and it was titled The Westerner. And then there's specifically one called The Westerner Hand on the Gun. So mm. it's like, it it's most of the episode, or at least the plot, is a reference to that TV show or series. So we'll see. It's a <laughs> reference that I didn't even catch. 
Right. Well, because I don't watch westerns. Do you watch westerns? I mean, I wouldn't know. Uh, the ones that I had to watch in film school. Uh, well, there's that. <laughs> Some of us paid attention in class, Bradley. Yeah, well, I did not say those kinds of things. But um, <laughs> And he's the one working as a working producer right now. Right. Um, I've never seen a, a true Western, but I did live right next to the Ronald Reagan Library. If that counts oh, for anything. I mean... Yeah, he kind of yeah, he's a cowboy, right? Wasn't he in a western? I don't I don't remember yes. the act. I just remember him acting badly, but that wasn't when he was in movies. <laughs> but also, like that that same place that's in Simi Valley, California, where they filmed some scenes for The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. you know what? That's so funny that you said that because um, there's uh, not. I mean, I guess this is a good kind of time to bring this up, but there's a another little bit of trivia about the um, the filming of this. So. Uh, a lot of the desert scenes in this um, were actually uh, filmed um, in like a on a set, right? Mm-hmm. It was the in volume, probably called right. It's called the volume, um, and they just took like a small patch of sand, basically, and they they just filmed all the desert scenes um, on this little patch of sand. But the production designer um, had authentic sand from. Tatooine, which is the planet, um, because in, when they filmed Star Wars, they used they filmed some of the the scenes in Yuma, Arizona, and so they flew in the sand from Yuma, Arizona, to put on the volume set so that it was authentic Tatooine sand. So, oh my goodness! Thank goodness. I mean, you know, you I'm can sure really tell if <laughs> you you would be able to tell the difference. So I'm sure most Star Wars fans would. So. Now, Kyle, this this place that you lived, uh, I just have one question, which is, uh, is it as fucking hot and death-like as everywhere else I've been to in SoCal? Uh, yes. <laughs> so perfect, great. So it's the authentic tattooing experience. Right. I'm kind of, I mean, the, the, the scenes they film in there is, are not actually of tattooing. But right. I think that's for a future. That's for next season. So yeah, that's we'll, we'll ah. We'll have um, to take yeah. note when we do see those episodes. We'll have to take I'm, note. Like, Qu- yes. Coincidentally, Kyle again, there. trying to be no spoilers for Mr. Bradley here, but right. the, some of the characters that we are, you know, encounter in this episode come up in the episode that I was referencing. Oh. Ah. Oh. We'll find out in a future episode. Soon as the pan- <laughs> soon as the pandemic ends, I need to add that to my uh, right. list of places. I think I just saw Bradley. Do you remember that that cosplayer that you mentioned back in the pilot episode? I yeah. think they just did a photo shoot. You know what? I think out they at at that area. I was gonna say. I I think I just pulled up on my Instagram today. I um I randomly saw him on there, and I was like, did he go to like a some kind of photo shoot or something. So yeah, he must have gone out to the set where they filmed those scenes, and you know, he did like a little Mandalorian photo shoot because he dresses up as Mando sometimes. So you know, gotcha. I can never tell which one is him. I know I that's what's so funny because he always has his buddies with him. So it's like this is his buddies, and he always I want friends. Yeah, and they're like, I'm gonna dress up as Mando. I'm gonna dress up as Jango. I'm gonna dress up as Rex. Like you never know what which one's him or which one it is. So it's just like random. These are people that are having way more fun in their lives than I, I am guess. currently. I mean, they are wearing their masks though. But hey, you know what? And well, they wouldn't be Mandalorians better. if they weren't wearing their masks, <laughs> right? 
They as never... far as we know in season one, that's well, true. Well, we yeah, learned, at this point, we learned in the last episode that if you take off your helmet, you die or something. Like, I don't know. It was random. You can never put it back yeah, on. Never put it back on. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> Imagine if the, you the, took the off your mask. The seal is broken. <laughs> yes. Yeah, once so, the seal broken. Do not remove so the tag they... from the mattress. <laughs> so they land on, on this planet. And I've noted here that Moss Eisley... Yes. must have really fallen on some hard times because they're using right. less docking bays than they used to. Yeah, well, actually, there's trivia for that, too. Uh, <laughs> of course they're fucking here. I know. I didn't even write this one down. I was just remembering it. Um, so now that you brought it up. Um, <laughs> so it's so funny that you say that because uh, what is, what's the number that they use? It's in the 30s. It's the 33 the 33 or, 35. or something. Um, 35 33 or 35 something like that i noted it because the falcon is in docking bay 94 okay in a new that's, hope. that's what i was trying to find on my uh trivia list because i remember this because yeah. the star wars musical for a new hope <laughs> that you can listen to online which of course exists and of course i am familiar with uh they sing Docking Bay 94 in this long epic. So I will now always remember that Docking Bay 94 is the one. Kyle, I'm curious, did you, re did you recognize Moss Eisley? You know, I did. Well, actually, until you said it there, I wasn't sure if it was Moss Eisley or I was just being like, this looks a lot like Moss Eisley, but I don't know any other na you know, named cities or re residences in Tatooine, so I'm not sure. But I played Star Wars Battlefront 2 for the PlayStation 2. And this is where you could have all the Jedi fight the, all the different characters and stuff like that. So I remember the docking bay and Mos Eisley and the cantina and stuff like that. So it, it right. did feel familiar. So in the, um, in the production of this, they were going to use docking bay 94 um, because that's the one where the Millennium Falcon lands. But they they in their minds right they go well the razor crest is a smaller ship so if we land the razor crest in docking bay 94 it's gonna have to look fucking huge and they, they can't do that because you know we, our set is only so big so they said well it's a smaller ship so let's use a smaller docking bay and then it'll make the ship look bigger in the docking bay so they, they that's why they chose docking bay 35 instead of docking bay 35. maybe maybe pelly will upgrade docking bays in between seasons i don't think she well no wait, actually i don't know because i haven't seen any of the episodes apparently so you know i as I, the series I, goes on she might upgrade yeah, docking yeah. bays Who this knows is if the she goal even survives the end of the episode who knows? I, I certainly know. haven't seen the episode. I'm just making this up as I go along. Well, um, a fun little thing that they do right as she as he lands the Razor Crest is we get one of the best things that Star Wars can ever do in any future project, which is referencing the prequels. <laughs> and we get to see the pit droids come in. And well, I do want to jump in. Before we do that, they cram three separate references in to about a, a two-minute sequence because we have Moss Eisley, which is oh, a reference, did. obviously, to a oh, yeah, okay. trilogy. Then there is the announcer who talks okay. to Mando over the comm. Did you look up who actually voices him? No, I didn't. According to IMDb, he is voiced by Steve Blum. Oh, okay. Who I believe is the voice of Zeb on Rebels. Oh. I know Steve Blum from being the voice of Varric Tethras in Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. I the owner know. of 
the most beautiful chest hair in God's creation. Okay. Uh, but I do believe he was also the voice of Zeb on Rebels. Oh, okay. Well, see, I see that's why you're here to catch those. I told you there's too many Easter eggs in this episode. <laughs> it's too much. One person to like, I'm sure all those YouTubers out there who are like, the 30 references you missed in the episode of Mandalorian, see episode five. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there is there is one in particular. Uh, Star Wars Explained does his Easter egg videos, and I watch all of them religiously. Gotcha. He and his wife actually live in Atlanta, I believe. Oh, they're right down the street from. Well, they're somewhere oh, in the same I was city. Say, as let's you. not dox me right now, but um, uh, let's get him on the show. Live right next to them. I'll just. Well, if they were real fans, they would live in that one city in Arizona where they get that authentic tattooing. That's center. right. They would. That's my goal is to move there. I moved to LA just so I could get closer to the authentic tattooing sand. Oh, I was gonna say you got to move out to like uh, Tanzania or wherever the fuck they film the rest of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wish right no he does the the easter egg videos and he does them for every book every film every tv episode that comes out and they're really good for somebody like me who loves them but might not necessarily catch everyone on my first viewing like i'm reading light of the jedi right now and there's some that i'm definitely catching Mm -hmm. but there's points where i'm like i'm gonna go back and watch his video on the easter eggs in light of the jedi when i'm done with it just so i make sure I know all the references, so I seem like I caught them. That's my secret, is I just let other people find them for me. Gotcha. Yeah, so after all those references and all those Easter eggs, we finally get to see prequel stuff, which is the pit droids, which I love so much because, you know, I think as time progresses, I think people generally favor the prequels now because I think the kids, like me, who grew up on the prequels are, like, begging you know all these new star wars things to have them references in there or even just merchandise or like just random stuff because that's what we had as kids so therefore we want those things now to make us happy to fill the void in our lives because we can't go outside and you know get drunk at the bar so hey even when i was going out and getting drunk at the bar i i i needed prequel references in my life i got into an argument with somebody on twitter once about whether or not disney is like ignoring the prequels and i'm like they were like oh yeah disney secretly hates the prequels and is not putting any references anywhere and i'm sitting here like what are you on about random person (laughs) kyle's lucky kyle just uses his twitter to promote his twitch stream right that's it. That's the appropriate use of Twitter. Well, that, well that's that Twitter. I have multiple Twitter accounts. Oh, this well, is neither. interesting. That, that's, that's not for... Oh, Kyle, okay. why do you use your multiple Twitter? Whoa. Are you, are you secretly one, one like Star like Wars fans? One is like for news stuff. One is for random venting. One is a account where... Actually, I can't say because I, I, basically I secretly run a fan account for a certain movie. Um, oh. I have one where I impersonate a basically a prop from the set of this one singer's music video <laughs> okay. and i well i mean i also had some more before i deleted my, my twitters but gotcha you know what we're off topic now i was gonna say you have a lot of alts okay we get it we you have a lot of porn accounts we understand okay none of them are that though <laughs> that, that's, that's surprising actually <laughs> um 
So yes, we get pit droids. They're great. Love them. I love a reference. We shoot them, which is the correct reaction. We, to we, a pit we droid. love the droids, but not everyone does apparently. Yeah, no, Mando fucking hates droids. Um, but it's but I feel like with at least these, he has a reason to because I agree with his reaction. Like, I hate the little bastards. Oh no, they're so funny and cute. I love shoot them. them. Shoot them. Shoot them all. Um, if correct me if I'm wrong, I don't i didn't write it down but did any one of them like kind of get not bopped on the nose but you know how like the whole thing is you punch them in the nose and they fold up into like a thing did any of them do that well it defensively folded up into like it, a disc okay that's what i was like thinking. Oh, kyle catch it. that and neither of us did i don't know i, I for some reason i wasn't paying attention well, I, I didn't know that was a reference i just remembered that that happened okay good well also I, like he it's literally he's walking off the ship and he's shooting like what like right away like yeah these poor little things it's and it's, it's interesting because you see kids, one of the themes I noticed in this episode is all about trust. <laughs> and it's like, he doesn't yeah. trust the little droids or whatever. And then we'll see how much he trusts other people right. and whether or not that is earned. Right. I was, I was going to get out of here with that eighth grade book report shit, man. Mm-hmm. There are no themes in Star Wars. It is it is not a thinking man's. Well, that's the thing is when you when you analyze it, you're like, well, what is it saying about this? Is like it it's can very confused about what it would want to say about this. Right. Um. So we get to meet a brand new character, which I think is one of the best parts about this episode. So we meet uh, Pelimoto, who is the owner of the hangar uh, where Mando lands his ship, and she is played by Amy Sedaris. Uh, who is a comedian slash actor who is best known for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, uh, I think there's something called uh, Candy from Children, or I can't even. Yeah. Think. Yeah, something like that. Do you remember the ones, things I don't know her from? Right. Like from, you know, Bojack Horseman. And most importantly, she was an elf. Yes. People forget that she was in that movie. And I, I forget mean, that, that movie. That was just a star studded cast, and they like, yeah. didn't market it as such, but that's. But yeah. one of the trivia things I have for this episode is that she was in Elf, which is directed by <gasps> guess who? Is it John, John Favreau? Favreau? Wait, I didn't really? realize. Like, so for some reason, I knew the directed by John Favreau was for Elf. I didn't even make the. I didn't know who who he directed the Mandalorian until about uh, fifteen minutes ago when he started talking about it. Yeah. No, so, so he's the you know he's the showrunner for mm-hmm. Mandalorian, so he he knows Amy Sedaris. It's not like a. I, you know, I just mm-hmm. got her on here randomly. Like, he knows her, like, very yeah, well. Yeah. Actually, because he also knows her from The Lion King, which I didn't even know she was in that. Um, she was in that? So That was one of the trivia things, was that the reason why they know each other is because she worked with him on Elf and the remake of The Lion King in 2019. Oh, so, the remake. I'm having, like, yeah, a, no, not the classic, like a Catherine... Not the classic. I was confused. I'm like, who is she in The Lion King? <laughs> no, not the I'm having, like, a... a Catherine Hen moment from WandaVision where we we discovered her from WandaVision then I realized she was in like a dozen other movies that Oh, I'd she's seen, been in everything. But yeah. I didn't realize. I'm having the same moment for for this comedian is like, yes. oh. And I don't know who she what? is in Lion King. I don't know what connection she has. I, she honestly, is I a, the voice of a guinea fowl. Okay, I have her IMDb. random voice. Kyle is really jumping into how we produce these yeah, episodes. You know, you know what? He, I, I, he gets it. What can I say? Can I say? <laughs> Kyle's a quick That learner. makes a lot more sense now. Because like now I'm drawing a lot of parallels between Elf and The Mandalorian. Yeah. Like the right. chase sequence in Elf where the 
Central Park Rangers are going after Buddy. Like you, you see the exact same kind of like suspenseful chase cinematography in the Mandalorian, and yeah. it's done almost as well as it's done in Elf. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, amazing. Um, no, so actually, I'm surprised we haven't seen Will Ferrell in Mandalorian yet. But yeah, you know what? We'll find. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, it's right. coming. He's gonna play uh, like a, a gonk droid. <laughs> yes he's gonna reference something weird um so my favorite part though in this scene is where amy sedaris is uh looking at his ship and she's like kind of assessing the damage right um and the funniest line i don't know why this made me laugh so much but she goes oh yeah i'm gonna have to rotate that <laughs> i don't know why that was so funny to me but she, the way she said it and the delivery, I'm just thinking she's like, she's just making up these lines. Like, I don't think those were her actual lines. I think she was making up that shit when she was improvising. Like when she was looking at it, she's like, oh yeah, you got some carbon scoring. Like that part was written, right? And then she goes, oh, ooh, I'm going to have to rotate that. Damn. Like, <laughs> you know, was it, so isn't that what mechanics also do when they're like looking at your car and they're like, right. ooh, what can we get them to pay for? We're like, going to have to, we're going to have to go in and and fix your carburetor and it's going to run you an extra 200 bucks and you know we don't necessarily need to replace your battery alternator but right you know if we don't you're going to be back in here in I six love months and, and the question is like would i rather pay for that thing which may or may not be real or call my father to ask him right and the, that the price is usually and yeah. I'm gay, so the question of whether or not I can call my father is really a 50-50 chance. Exactly. No, I literally got my oil changed like two days ago before I went on this trip. And I the guy tells me like because I went to like a 10-minute oil change place and he pulls out like he pulls out like my little uh, oil cap thing and he goes, You have this kind of oil, it's gonna cost $70 or whatever, because it's synthetic oil. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to trust you because I honestly don't know what kind of oil my car takes. I don't know what any of the symbols mean. Like, I don't, like, I was like this close. To, I was like this close to calling my dad because anything that happens with my car, I call my dad because he, you know, basically owns it. And I was like, should I call him? No, I'm just going to let them do this because it's, I'd rather pay the money than have the awkward conversation with my dad being like, is this the right oil? Yeah, that's the right oil. They told you the right oil. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so, because it wasn't like so expensive that I was thinking like, okay, they're trying to swindle me. But it was also like more than I normally pay. But I forgot that I have a hybrid car now. So it's like, it probably does actually mean the better oil. <laughs> Here's the real question is, is uh, how often has she seen this? And is the Razor Crest ever actually functioning? Like, does the ship work I don't in know. general? Like, what is the quality of this ship? Well, the quality of the ship, right? The only, there's, like, one redeeming quality. Like, he won't get rid of it. I don't think it's just tradition, right? There's, like, something about, like, how there's, like, it, there's no, oh, God. Like, it's not, not a Mandalorian or whatever. ship. Say it again? This is not a Mandalorian ship. So Right, it's, but it, it's, it's something about how it's, like, does. not registered or was, re- oh. like, something like that. And so he, like, doesn't oh. want to change ships, right? right? I don't know if that I don't think it's in this episode, no. but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's season two. I yeah, couldn't, okay, I wasn't sure. Right, right, right. But I was yeah. like, sh- yeah, like literally just like get it, like repair it or get a new ship or whatever. Like, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. yeah because that doesn't technically come up till later. But, um, right, yeah, no, I think I see what you mean. Like, he doesn't, 
get it fixed often or it's like it doesn't get because it right it's like not registered you know right air books but um one thing i did know one thing i did note in this sequence that i wanted to bring up too real quick before we moved on we were talking about womp rat yes she calls him a womp womp rat rat. but here it makes sense because there are actually womp rats on this planet this makes sense yeah right I, i didn't like it in the previous episode but the reference here is perfect because she's from the fucking planet where they fucking live. So that's okay. You Wait, can reference so that a million times. Do you, and do you know that there are not Womp Rats on the other planet where like that was referenced? We don't know that for sure. But because that it was referenced in the original Star Wars right. movie. Wait, we know, we, yeah, right. we know that they're on Tatooine. I just don't know if we right. don't know they're on the whatever the other planet is. But you know what we don't see? The, the one re- reference, and correct me if I'm wrong here. The one thing we don't see on Tatooine this time, the Jawas, which we see on all the other planets. Yes, but this is we suspicious. See, we didn't see that on Tatooine this time. As we they, know, the Jawas went. are spreading out into the yeah. galaxy, seeping their insidious tendrils into galactic society, waiting for the Jawa Emperor to be reborn. <laughs> Right. That's my conspiracy theory. The Jawas were behind it all. Well, this I have a I have a little bit of again another little thing of trivia, but I might not come up more importantly until we get to the bar. But um, so the director said that this version of Moss Eisley is no longer thriving as it was before, um, and so to reflect this, the streets and the cantina are much emptier than they were in like A New Hope, and. The, and so part of that is like, okay, obviously there's no Jawas because there's no business. Like they're not yeah. here because no one's buying anything because there's no one on the planet anymore. They're not here because they're off on Navarro and on right. whatever planet they found Baby Yoda on, but, but expanding now that their intergalactic mm-hmm. uh, trade network right, to eventually that, take was, over the galactic capitalism. Well, I was going to say that's not either. Because it makes sense now, though, right? Because if they're not making any money, or not money, but, like, they're not doing any business with people anymore on this planet because there's just not really a lot of people anymore, then it makes sense that they would be on the other planets because they, like, they had to adapt. And they were like, oh, shit, we got to go out and find other, you know, losers to pawn off our shitty robots on, you know? <laughs> so, makes sense. In later episodes, too, we will see that the underworld... We will get the implication, this may be explored in a future series, yeah. the underworld on Tatooine is also, it was it was kind of a central area of it or a central right. kind of hub for it. Uh, and at this point now that has fallen into disrepair. Right. Mm-hmm. But we do move to the, you know, to the bar. I also noted here, before we move on to that, just- Oh yeah, I was gonna say, wait, there's one more. Yeah, like, yeah, we got a little bit. I, I have one more thing, sorry for this scene too. Uh, where Amy Sedaris discovers the child um, on the ship, uh, which she was like, whoa, 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 wait, there's somebody else in here. And then uh, the baby walks out. And then my favorite, another favorite line that I have that she says is she goes, do you want some food? Like, she's like, I'm going to take care of you so that I get to charge Mando extra money when he comes back. Teaching important life lessons to the children. Oh, so funny. Bring me something with bones in it. Did anybody else 
get kind of a vibe, uh, like a Sigourney Weaver in Aliens vibe. Oh, from her hair. From her hair oh, and then her having the, the kid. Yeah. It was weird because she doesn't have eyebrows or something, right? Yeah. that's Or they're very, like, light. They're very light, I think. They're, like, very It's a weird thin. design choice, like, costume design choice. I don't know why that is. Is it because, like, maybe she was working on something and, like, her eyebrows got singed off or something? Like, that's the, you know, backstory there? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Well, so if we're jumping ahead to the part where she, she finds the child, like, I'm, this is where I'm, like, kind of hung up a little bit. It's like, okay, we, we get it. Like, that part of what's going on here is that they're trying to show that the Mandalorian is not, he w- kind of is trying to be a little paternal, but he doesn't know how yet. And so she's going to yell at him for leaving the baby in the car in the hot day. But, like, right. the first thing he does when he gets off of this ship when he lands is he, like, shoots at the droids because he doesn't trust the droids. And also, by this point, you know, leaving the child alone has proved that he gets up to kind of no good. So, like, are you... Now, you know bounty hunters are after you. You're going to leave this child unattended in this hangar with this person you're just meeting for the first time and her droids. Like, I'm confused why he's le- like he just leaves the child. Yeah. Kyle's about to take the Mandalorian to paternity court. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Like, I get it. Like, your parents are dead, so you don't have a good role model, whatever. But, like, you don't, like, even selfishly, it's like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Bradley, can you get Kyle on uh, on divorce court? Uh, honestly, <laughs> as know, an arbiter on call divorce Mari, court, like, I could. Um, no, but you're right. It's kind of weird that he thinks that like, if I just leave him here, he'll sleep the whole time. Like what? And somehow the baby opened up the door, so he didn't lock it. Like he used the force. Right. It doesn't make any sense. It, use the force of plot contrivance. Right, Which, exactly. as we know, is the force that governs all of the Star Wars franchise. Right. The magical force of this happened because the plot needed it to happen. Exactly. And you know what? It's fine, because it makes the plot fun. <laughs> it made the plot happen. Exactly. The last um, thing before we yeah, jump sure. into the cantina is we do interspersed in here of the shot of the heads on the spikes. I forgot this was on Tatooine, actually. For some reason, I thought this was on Navarro, so it surprised oh. me you were like, when it whoa, popped whoa, up whoa. in the episode. I was like, yeah. oh, this was on one. Oh, yeah, there was a garrison on Tatooine, and two, yikes. <laughs> yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah, you guys are gone. So. Y'all are, that puts that scene in Return of the Jedi where they're celebrating in a bit of a new light, because... It's kind of like the Coruscant scene where you find out in Aftermath that immediately after that shot in the film, basically like the stormtroopers showed up and opened fire right. on the crowd. It puts it in kind of like a... Uh, or watching watching the... Uh, the What's it called? The heads, the helmets being beaten on in Return of the Jedi. Right. And then oh, you remember, uh-huh. oh yeah, the Ewoks were like gonna cook and eat the rebels. And mm-hmm. like now the Imperials' bodies are gone and they have the helmets. So what happened to the bodies? Yeah. It makes you think. Makes but that was think. I I wanted to bring up that so, shot. Again, as a, a question from an outsider, part of that shot, if I if my if memory serves. They zoom in on one of the particular helmets that has like a scar across the top. It almost looked like was that a specific like was that a reference? It was, it was like this it. feels like a reference, but I don't know whose helmet that was supposed to be. 
It was. I think. I don't think it was. If it was, I didn't catch it. Bradley, do you have anything in the trivia? Um, no, I don't have anything about the helmet. So I, maybe it was just a close-up shot to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. That. That's good. I mean, we did decapitate the fascists, which good. That's the correct thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it was a reference to anything. Um, so moving on, he goes to the you know, most famous bar in all of Tatooine because I guess it's the only bar in Tatooine. <laughs> the only bar. Where he thinks he can find some work. Um, and there's no, I noticed this. So the first thing I noticed was no music playing. Whereas when we were previously in this bar, obviously we had a cantina band playing. Oh, that's copyright. We can't use that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> trust, trust me, if, if I was even close to on tune enough for that to be copyrighted, <laughs> I will pay for it. No, you're fine. Um, so yeah, there's no music playing. Fun little Easter egg, which like, you remember when I said in the second episode, uh, I noticed that the robot from the jailbreak episode was in was in the second episode trying to fight yes in this one we see frog lady in the cantina and she's just having a drink so that was a fun little reference there we will actually see there's another character i had noted here uh that there was a shot of of the bug the ant thing Mm -hmm. which is another call forward right to something that will happen later on yeah i thought it was so funny that they had all these things you'll have um, to remind me afterwards i don't actually remember what that references that the bug yeah i i will remind you of the bug after the fact yeah. uh but yeah there's i i missed the frog lady i didn't actually see the frog lady i didn't even time. notice her I, until I this know, yeah so i but was like oh there. there she is um and then right after the frog lady we get a very famous character shows up um a robot known by the name of R5D4. Um, just randomly chilling in the bar. R5D4, yes. And this is this is not the only time we will see R5D4 in this series. It's a recurring character, but yep, it's it's the same one. Now I couldn't tell if the EV series droid, and I couldn't research if the EV series droid mm-hmm. was the same one from Jabba's Palace, but I did find it hilarious that in a new hope. The guy was like, we hate droids and we don't allow them in. And now the bar is run by a droid. Run by droids, yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Because I thought about it and I was like, so what probably happened at some point in time is that the bar owner either was really terrible at doing his taxes or, you know, he lost a bet and he just lost the bar. And then the person who bought the bar from him or got it was like, no, it's more efficient if we just have droids be the bartenders. So that's what he was going for. His worst fears came true. Third possibility, the old bar owner fell in love with this droid. And now after the the owner passed away, it is now belongs to this droid. That makes a lot more sense, actually. I'm going to go with your theory that they were in love. (laughs) He left it to him in his will. Yeah, Yeah. I I like that. Kyle's out here getting into the spirit, right? And his (laughs) fan theories and canonizing them. Until um, someone provides me strong right. evidence that this is not the case, we'll have to believe it's true. And you know what? No one can it, prove to me that right. Senja Rathvelis was not on Hosnian Prime when Starkiller Base destroyed it. So Period. personally, I believe that he is still alive 
until someone at Disney explicitly confirms that he was on the planet. So we all have our things that we're like, I have chosen to believe this. Right. Mm. Well, so I have two things. Um, one about R5D4. So this is actually the appearance, um, or the first appearance of a character from a Star Wars film to appear in The Mandalorian. He's the very first of any Star Wars film to appear in The Mandalorian. So he gets that honor of being the, the kind of first callback. Um, and then the only other thing I have um, with the bartender is we learn if you were to watch the gallery show, which is the making of The Mandalorian, um, Kyle. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know, sorry. Uh, where you get like a little more background information on the making of the show, uh, there is an uncredited voice of the bartender is Mark Hamill, who is oh. Luke Skywalker, so. Of course it is. Mark Hamill voices fucking everything. Exactly. Everyone is voiced by Mark Hamill. Even you. Even me. I'm secretly Mark Hamill. He did like one of my tweets once. It was the proudest moment of my life. It was a happy birthday tweet to Laura Dern. Oh, wow. I'm glad that he liked that, though. It's, it's the crowning moment of my existence. Well, Mark Hamill droid actually tells Mando that the guild no longer operates on Tatooine, so... I wrote down that's probably why that Tatooine is not busy anymore. Because like you said before, that Tatooine used to be like a hub for all the crime and like terrible people. And the huts, you know, were controlling Tatooine basically. So I think that's why it's quiet because there's just no business anymore. So you think about it and it's like, wait, did the crime actually help the city? And <laughs> Yeah, if, if only somebody would maybe come in and you know, take over the underworld on Tatooine and maybe could restore it back to the point where it could bring cover. But I can't think of anybody who would be able to do that. I genuinely could not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, we know that while Mando's asking the droid for work, Somebody is listening in on this conversation and sitting in the same exact bar seat where Han Solo and Chewbacca were sitting when they were talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi after they had just killed Greedo in this fucking bar seat. Like, Not uh, only is there one bar, there is right. only one booth in this one the bar. only booth in the whole entire the bar. Entire planet. It's a special booth. It is a special booth. It's like the coffee table from Friends that's just constantly reserved for the main characters to come in mm. wherever they want. And no one else gets to sit here. You have to be in the Star Wars movie to be able to use this booth. Well, also, like, you know, let, let's, for sake of argument, say that this character knew that, right? How long do you think he was sitting there just waiting for someone to come along and solve his problem? So I guess that's what we'll talk about in a moment. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it in a second um, because so we'll talk about let's talk about who he is. Yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. So uh, his name is Toro Cal Calcan. I think that's how you say it. Um, who is played by Jake Cannavale. <laughs> so, sorry, all these names are so complicated. Um, who is best known for his role, uh, I guess, in it looks like Nurse Jackie was like one of his bigger roles. Um, but He's also, fun fact, I was getting really into this because he has all of his information on IMDb. Um, because he's actually a very well-known, not, not him, but his family is full of people who have just been performers over the years. Um, his dad has been in a ton 
of movies. I I mean, like I can't say them all because I didn't write them all down. But his uh, his father is also a performer. His grandfather is also a performer, and it's so he comes from his family of performers. Um, but he's also a Taurus, and he was born in 1994. And he, I'm just kidding. And the only reason why and I said he was, that he was born in '95, actually. Oh, well, right? the only reason why I said that was because I thought he was cute. But I was gonna then, say, I think we just learned what Bradley's type is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I was really attracted to him until I read that he was five seven. So, wow. Ah, <laughs> spoken, <laughs> spoken like a true twink. He's shorter than me, so unfortunately, uh, he's dead to me. And how tall are you for our viewership, Bradley, or our listenership? I'm 5'8". Thank you, Bradley. Oh, he's only one shorter than me. <laughs> Bradley is 5'8". I'm six foot even. But, you know, guys are so like that, that Charles, yeah. I cannot wait until we meet, because I'm also, like, just, like, maybe, like, half an inch above six foot. And I want to see, like, if we're, like, once we actually get to meet in person, how our heights compare. Yes, Kyle, Kyle and I have been friends for a little bit, but because of the plague, we have not actually been able to interact with each other in person. In three-dimensional space, yeah. In three-dimensional space. But I also, um, to get back on topic, I also thought he was very cute. Yeah. I, oh, no, I, he's did, definitely cute. I did also note here that later on there is a note that, wow, hot boy is dumb, just like I like them. I have this specifically in my <laughs> notes. Well, we have lots more to talk about about our attraction to this character as we go throughout. Right. Yes. Um, so our new character uh, presents a bounty puck to Mando and we get Mulan herself on the bounty puck. We won't talk about her now, but he um, he brings up the name of the person that he needs to get, which is Fennec Shand. So that's the person they're thinking about going after. We'll talk about her more once she actually shows up later. Mm-hmm. But um, I just wanted to bring up the point that we see... I don't know if you recognize that it was. I knew her from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. initially, and then I found out she was the voice of Milan, and now she's Finnick Shand in Star Wars. So she's completed the trifecta and ascended Mm -hmm. to becoming a goddess. Absolutely, because we love love a good queen who can uh, go Star Wars, Marvel, Disney. That's all I need. (laughs) Let me, let me just cash those Disney checks for the oh rest my God, of my yes. natural born life. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about her later, but we'll skip into the next scene um, because I don't think there's really much else in this because, they, like I said, there was no music. There was nothing. So as many references as there were in the scene, there was just like, okay, well, let's just go back to the child. Well, I, wait, can we talk about the conversation they have, though? Yeah. Like, I, I just found it very interesting how... So like what really made him change his tune? Like, so he's not in good graces with the guild and because he's being hunted by bounty hunters. And what is it do you think that makes him actually like want to help this dude? Is it really just out of desperation for the money? Like, no, I, yeah. You think so? Yeah, I, I, th- I, kind I think of he just wants money. Because like oh. it, I think it like made it seem like he wanted to do it because he wanted to help the person get in the guild. But like, why would you want to help someone else get into the guild? Like when A, you're not in good terms with the guild and B, like when, this isn't like a foundling. This is like, right. I don't know. No, Mando I, has this nasty yeah. habit of like 
not wanting to do something and then five seconds later deciding he absolutely wants to do it. Like he's the hugest mm-hmm. pushover you will ever meet in your life. The way I the way I saw it, and I agree with you, Kyle, I think actually it wasn't just for the money. Because yes, mm-hmm. he does need that because he does right. need to like obviously pay for his repairs. And that's why he came to the bar in the first place. Right. Yeah. But I think there's a duality to it. I think he also thinks of it like this. He realized that all these bounty hunters are coming after him. This kid wants to get one of the worst bounty hunters on the in the group, which is Fennec Shan. Supposedly, she's a very mm-hmm. like you know, right, very uh, dangerous you know bounty hunter, very good bounty name hunter. recognition level, right. Yeah. So he's thinking, well, if I take out this bounty hunter, that's one less person coming after. So I think it could be both. I think he does, is doing it for money, but he could also be doing it for the sheer fact that if I take out this really strong bounty hunter, then maybe a few lower tier ones are all I'm going to have to deal with. I won't have to deal with the big ones, you know? Right. So possibly that's what it was, but you never. And, you know, if if the kid dies trying to get this bounty, it's one less person who might be connected to the guild who'll know that he's here. Kyle, I think you missed your calling. I think you probably should have been a bounty hunter instead of a teacher. I did watch a lot of Dog the Bounty Hunter growing up. That does, does that surprise <laughs> me? I don't know. I just found it very fun. It's well, it's because it's bad reality reality TV in one of its many forms. Gotcha. All reality Can't get enough TV of Dog is and bad. Beth. All reality TV is okay. awful, trash, garbage. Because well, Bradley, you work on reality bad. TV, right? <laughs> No, it definitely, it's probably one of the lower tier. <laughs> hey, if reality was good, then it would be better, but it's right. not. Hey, exactly. I'm honestly right. I mean, that's what, honestly, people don't realize that bad reality television is good reality television. So, oh, yes, yes. That's <laughs> why we watch it. How terrible the show is. If, if it's getting ratings, then it's great. Like, if there's, you know, little people, Dr. Pimple popping a, 19 kids and counting that's the show people want to watch so yeah hey if we can do it i mean i'm not going to get off topic but i will say that i did work on a production where they asked me to find a family uh who had a lot of kids who also their profession was renovating houses so i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not gonna go into like super detail on that but think about like just think about those plots that's two different shows like mixed together that's all this works want. this works right they wanted hybrid i'm, TLC I'm having basically. i'm having flashbacks bradley to a certain uh, professor whose courses we took yeah who told us in detail how to get some of these reality television shots and sequences yeah yeah but we do I mean, move Sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, yeah, I mean, but we can move on. Mando is being scolded. Uh, you can't leave a child by itself. That's the dumbest thing to do as a father slash caretaker, obviously. Don't leave your child alone. The AC was on. It's okay. <laughs> the windows were rolled down a little bit. He'll be fine. She- I did, uh, when, when the guy shows up and he, like, he says like ma'am to Pelly. Right. I can almost imagine him like tipping a fedora, like ma'am. <laughs> and I wrote down in my notes, wow, he is so shitty. 
<laughs> I hate him, but I'm also attracted to him. Yeah. And the fact that I hate him makes me more attracted to him. Yeah. I was surprised uh, that they didn't go all in with the references and that the swoop bikes weren't the Imperial swoop bikes. Mm, I see what you mean. Yeah, they're just random. Just random swoop bikes. Well, are they like, from the prequels? Uh, they might have been. I would I, have to. Look. I had it. I had it somewhere, and I it was something along the lines of like they were from the prequels or something. But they weren't like the known. Like Kyle, you wouldn't recognize them, would you? No. So that's our litmus test of. Well, of it's more like, like I've much. I've seen speeder bikes in Star Wars. I don't think I'd be able to distinguish them, but I also can't distinguish cars in real life. So right. Well, this is basically the same thing. Basically, what happens is in Attack of the Clones, which is the second movie, um, Anakin uh, is on Tatooine, and he's riding this same exact type of speeder bike. Oh, my God. It was a reference. Yeah. It was a reference. The clothes were coming from inside the house. Yes. Oh, my God. In this case, the house is once again Tatooine. Kyle, I'm envious of you watching these (laughs) episodes and not knowing this. Not having to know this. You don't need to know that. Listen, there's some questions I'm kind of curious about, but I'm like, you know what? I think I'd be better off if I didn't know the Star Wars knowledge and didn't have it weighing my brain down. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. You do need (laughs) all that space in your brain for the Magic the Gathering lore. Right. And I mean, that's the thing is like Magic the Gathering has their own magical wizards who go to different planets and stuff. And I always make comparisons with Star Wars and stuff. And I always use Tatooine and Hoth in my two references because those ones like everyone will know them, right? Like, right. Like everyone knows Tatooine. It's yeah. So like the main, yeah, that's like the main thing. (laughs) Right. So I don't need to learn that many more fun facts about Tatooine. People just like, oh yeah, the desert place where Luke is from. It's like, yep. Right. I would make a joke here that we'll just drop Nico Bolas into the middle of Tatooine, but they kind of do that later they, in the They show. actually kind of do that. He takes over the the desert world inspired by Egyptian mythology and stuff like that and like takes over and remakes it in his image, so. I was talking yeah. about the crate dragon that shows up. Oh, well that too. I was gonna say, okay, well, there you go. They got it. Who rescued who? Really? <laughs> what? What was going on? That was a secret Magic the Gathering crossover that no one realized. That we yeah. Were I'm I sure, only know I'm this sure at least what, I mean, golly gee, you know, the Magic and Star Wars fandoms, they have no overlapping interests. You know, all are well-adjusted <laughs> humans. Just to They're definitely not the same genre. Right. Really. All right. Um, so the only other thing I had about the bikes was the whole scene where they're on the bikes, I thought was really just nice animation and just like good like i don't know it, I, other I than them, I, all i have is good <laughs> i call them the nat geo shots so i have in my notes yeah. a couple of times nat geo shots yeah because you can you know disney owns that catalog right and when we found out you know nat geo was going to be on disney plus my brain went oh there's going to be some shots in the mandalorian that are just going to be these epic vistas right mm-hmm. that's what this was i just have it as nat geo shot it's a very pretty shot. I agree. I like, I just like this whole sequence of them riding on the bikes and through the sand. I was just like, that just looks so cool. And then there's like, you know, they kind of are like not racing with each other, but like they kind of are keeping up the same speed. It just looks really nice. So that was just interesting. And then um, they come across another reference of fucking Dewback. Um, Alien. Actually, before they get to the Dewback, there is another. There's another cool reference. Sequence. Yes, you're skipping over the Tuscan Raiders. 
No, no this does this no, not happen? No. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, actually, no. Charles. Actually, the actually, Raiders don't show up until they start looking at the dewback. Uh, yeah. I thought so. I thought the Tuscan Raiders showed up first. No, 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 no. Wait, and then they get to the dewback. Oh, I was confusing. Oh, wait, wait, I'm confusing Bantha. You're right, Charles. That. I think actually. Of course, of course, I'm right. It's because right, the dewback, the dewback has to be closer to no, the end place. No, no, no. So okay, wait, wait, wait. I see where we went wrong. I see where we went wrong. Okay, so. We're confusing the Bantha with the Dubek. So there's too many fucking references. So oh, my brain my... can't handle it. God, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I would like to apologize to the Star Wars fans <laughs> I'm, that I'm on here. I don't know a Dubek from a Bantha. Right. I am Bantha. Apparently, Potter. neither do we. Clearly not. The Star Wars fans don't know the difference. Um, okay, let's let's reset. Okay, so okay. they approach. What they realize is a Bantha and a few Tusken Raiders in the distance, and they're looking at them through their little scope goggles or whatever. And then he's, and then he tells, um, uh, he tells Toro that he's like, tells them basically that the people of Tatooine think that they're a scourge, or I'm sorry, Toro says that the pe- the Tusken Raiders are a scourge on the planet, whereas Mando corrects him and says. No, they believe they are the natives because they were here first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of that whole like these so-called locals. The locals, not, right? Yeah. Um, which so I, which I liked because it's like, oh, okay. So you know, in contrast to the other Disney, you know, being like, oh, you know, we're we're, we're gonna toot our own horns a bit. Like that that was a little bit of a step back, and I was like, okay, yeah. no. And then what I I love this scene so much because it's so hilarious. So he's like. He's like, oh yeah, they really think that they're the locals. He's like, why don't you ask them yourself? And then they cut to them just standing next to him. It was so awkward. Like, <laughs> I loved, I love that they communicate, and this is like the first time we've seen them actually communicate, and they communicate yeah. with sign language. Yeah, uh, they so, actually speak in, in I was sign say, language. Do either of you know sign language? Not really. Not well. So I don't like they're not using ASL as far as I'm aware. Okay, they're, that's why I figured yeah, they were. They're using, but they're. They're using signing, but there's not, it's not like right. ASL. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I was like, wait, somebody could like go back and be like, no, they're saying like, fuck you, Star Wars fans, you all suck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there are many people on Twitter who would tell you that is in fact what they are saying. I'm sure, but as far I can as tell I you that that's like, in fact what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Like you said, they're not using ASL, but they are doing some form of hand communication. Yeah. So and which this I is... thought was weird, but it was cool. Like, this I like is the sense. first. This is the first actual. Uh, I believe the first acknowledgement that a version of sign language exists in the Star Wars universe. Right. Mm-hmm. That can actually be used to communicate. Which is interesting because, so like Tusken Raiders obviously can't form the same syllables that normal humans or human-like aliens can because the, of the mouth details. Because like there are other aliens in the Star Wars universe that have certain physiological limitations that, that do not allow them to speak English, or right. I'm sorry, basic. Um, so we got to Star Wars up the words, right? So it's interesting that they use signing, or there must be some kind of like thing there where local Tatooine people are able to communicate with them at some mm-hmm. point in so- at some moments with sign language. So they're not always just 
you know, the people that are raiding, you know, everything and killing everybody. Like they do actually communicate with them in some instances. Well, I hope that at some point in a future Star Wars series or maybe even episode, we can see some of that right. kind of interactions. Although I will, I, oh wait, now I already forgot what I was going to say with that. Oh, my, okay, question. Because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So is their proper name the Tuscan Sand Raiders or what, 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 what are they called? They're so, either the Tuscan Raiders or the Sand People. Uh-huh. It's used pretty interchangeably. Okay. Right. So the Tuscan Raiders is just what local people call them. Mm-hmm. So for example, like Native American people are not going to refer to themselves as Indians. Right. right. So they actually well or, or Native American. You know, okay. Not well, I, I guess my, my part of my question I think is so is Tuscan d- describing like their like kind of their group, their ethnic background or is that like a location or is you know, that not really... I don't know what Tuscan means. I just know mm-hmm. that like Tuscan Raider is equivalent to saying like those are Indian people, right? You don't call them Indian people because that's not their name. Right. They're not right. the, they're the, you know, what the whatever their tribe is called is what they're yeah. called, right? So with Tuscan Raiders, they would refer to themselves in their own language as their tribe. But then right. the actual terminology for the Tuscan Raiders is just the sand people or like the native tattooers gotcha. maybe maybe a better a better historical example here might be um the romans the relationship between the romans and the non-roman people to where the term barbarian oh yeah was what the romans would use to describe any non-roman oh, okay. uh, they were the barbarian people but they did actually have names you know the goths uh the visigoths mm-hmm these oh, okay. different groups That's the celts yeah. but the romans would refer to them as barbarians because that was just a catch-all right. whereas mm-hmm. they would refer to themselves by their own names so it's it would be interesting to see you know maybe in future episodes them delve into the relationship between so quote unquote the people the, of Tatooine yeah, and the the, the natives because yeah. that's something that's that's something that's come up in star wars a lot with regards to the tuscan raiders especially in knights of the old republic uh they they touch on that a lot and then some of the old legend stuff too delved into the relationship between the tuscan raiders and the quote-unquote civilized people of tatooine and played on that kind of frontier you know the native americans and the settlers kind of vibe it harkens back to those westerns which this this is all just one giant western Western reference right well at what point does it stop being a reference and it's just like yeah we're doing this genre thing like it's like does it necessarily reference or it's like okay we're using our world building in this genre space like around the the... point around the point in a new hope the space cowboy shows up (laughs) right no I, i agree with you i think i think it is instead of just being a reference to westerns you're right i think it i think you're right it's just the world building is just set in the space of a sci-fi yeah of you know whatever so i agree i think it is just a it, it, the show is a western it's a right. western and it also like what counts as, elements what counts as an easter egg or reference instead of just like yeah they 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 have these in this world they've previously established this or they're going to use it right yeah that's true i i think the only difference is that in this when they in this case specifically, specifically right yeah. it's just the same exact thing so i think that is when it is a reference but yeah reference right. And also when it's supposed to evoke like the callback nostalgia is supposed to evoke a certain parallelism, like right. that, the, in that case, yeah, it's going to be, which we'll see more of. 
Right. Um, but moving on, uh, we'll we'll go to the sand people told Mando and them where they could find, or at least where they think that Fennec Shand is, and they find this dewback trap um, mm. where they see a dewback and it's got a a body uh, attached to it, and it looks like that this person is either hurt or dead or something. We don't know, obviously yet. Um, but they're trying to suss it out. So they're like, we're just going to sit here for 12 hours until we figure it out. <laughs> well, he runs down well, to it and yeah. then they discover that, uh, that it's, it's the bounty there. hunter. Yeah. It's the bounty hunter from the ship. I believe that Mando was fighting in the opening sequence. Well, and then wait, that guy blew up, though. Yeah, that blew up. Either that or it's a guy who looks a lot like him because when I watched rewatched the episode, I thought it was the same guy. Oh. Well, we know it at least is a bounty hunter. It is a bounty a hunter. She shoots him and they kind of dive behind the thing. They're like, well, we're going to stay here for the next 12 hours. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that too because I was like, uh, yeah, I don't think it's the same guy. But I don't think it's the same guy because I remember <laughs> I was going to make a question or comment where it's like, because, you know, he does the whole hot and cold thing. I was like, oh, his ship got straight up blown up while they were in space far from Tatooine. How long is his body going to be warm from the explosion before his body gets cold in space? So. <laughs> well, I mean, if he was incinerated, there is no body. So. Right, exa- exactly. So either way, the, the body's not going to be here. Huh. <laughs> yeah, Charles. Space logic. <laughs> there is shows no all about consistency, Charles. Don't you know? Oh, yeah, you know. I don't know why I thought I Granted, would have to look up. I genuinely, this will bother me if I don't look up. It, <laughs> right. All right. But guy. so here's the thing though, because of the explosion, we technically did not see the body. So since we didn't, cannot see oh. the dead body, we cannot confirm nor deny no. that they're actually dead and that this is, or is not their body. Okay. I have confirmed it. Okay. The guys, it turns out the guy has a name. Okay. Ooh. Riot Marr. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was killed in the opening scene. Okay, great. Loves it. So it is a different guy. So this different dead body is just an extra. <laughs> yeah, this is just a, another. <laughs> You're right, though. Uh, they do look similar. Like, I can see why you said that. So we can kind of skip forward to, um, I, I keep saying the next scene, but even though this is technically, you know. Well, hours later. Right, just because it's like nighttime doesn't necessarily mean it's the next scene. But um, so Fennec, uh, they're trying to charge at her with their plan of blowing up flash bombs um, to distract her scope because as you've clearly seen before, she's a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works at first until our new little twink uh, unfortunately messes up uh, one of his throws and it doesn't go off correctly. Um and then she gets her shot in and she blows up uh, Mando's speeder bike. You truly cannot trust a twink to do anything right. I mean, clearly not. Clearly, clearly not. Can I say though, also, I really like how like the original plan is like, okay, we're, we're gonna alternate shifts until nighttime. Right. And I don't know if they cut over it or not, but it's like, he's like, okay, I'm finishing my shift. He's like, okay, we're gonna go now. <laughs> Mandalorian just never has to actually take a shift, at least right. as far as we saw. And so like, we, we, we can blame it on, you know, 
Toro's like not you know as good of a shot or isn't always doing as much right. but also like he just had to take like the 12 hour shift or whatever and yeah. Mando was like napping the whole time and I really like that Kyle are you really defending this twink no, to no, come I'm onto not... the podcast just to be the twink Star Wars twink defense force I mean okay but here's the thing the entire scene where they're taking them out he is perched like with his ass in the air like leaning forward looking like watching her and I'm like that's true I- I, I see something. He's I presenting see something. <laughs> I don't know if it's the sand dunes or different kind of hills and bumps I'm seeing, but I, I don't know if it's a reference, but it's, I like it. I don't know if it's a reference, it's, uh, but I like it. It's, it's definitely something. Right. It's definitely something we love to see in this universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I did note here uh, with the sequence and then the fight sequence, uh, we've we've talked a bit about darkness and how some of the scenes are lit and this one I really liked with the moonlight how they light it and how they light the fight sequence that follows I really loved just the lighting of it in general with the desert moonlight it gave me vibes of the the climax of the Clone Wars movie hmm. I mean like the the flares like I, not just from this through the scope lens but like from like kind of like the side shot of seeing them approach them watching the trajectory of the flares and stuff like like you're saying all the lighting stuff was so cool and so well done with all of this but even before the acting like up close fighting and stuff like that right and then like you said before we get to see this up close fighting which now i guess we can talk about uh well, the actor of, of Fennec shan okay wait can I, one more thing i know i keep <laughs> yeah. interrupting and like going back but like going back to twink butts but yeah well, th- this time I'm not actually going back to that. <laughs> um, I really like, because they they'd kind of seeded this earlier where like when Amanda uh, goes to the dewback and he gets shot at, he's like, well, luckily from this distance, I can withstand the, my you know, my oh. armor can withstand the blaster stuff. And then he, by the time he gets closer, because they're on the speeder bike and it, they explode and he like takes a little bit more damage, like. I like that they set up these stakes because we've seen Mando like, you know, winning all these fights and stuff like that. And how he's, especially with this fancy new Beskar armor or whatever like that. Like, it's like, yeah. we want to make sure that we can still kind of believe all of that. But it's like, okay, we, they're kind of defining it a little bit, but me, keeping it muddy enough that it's like, it could fit the narrative purpose. Like just how good this armor is. Um, I, I kind of liked how they had established that there, especially when he's capable of getting injured or lost when it's someone else making a mistake. Yeah, no, I, I agree because you don't want him to be invincible because then if he is, then your story doesn't work because Mm -hmm. there are no stakes. So that's, you're right. It's, it's kind of that thing. Like we have to believe that at some point Mando's armor isn't a hundred percent effective or Mm -hmm. it was only effective at that far distance. And he even says that he goes, you know, she shot me, but it held up at the distance because we were so far away any closer it wouldn't have worked which is great exactly. that he says that because then that means yes i'm not invincible i will die if i get too close i will you know mm-hmm. what i mean so or right. like to pull an example out of my former twink ass if somebody builds say a super weapon that specifically channels electricity through beskar armor and fries the people inside only that armor while ignoring other troopers that may be wearing different armor. That's a very specific example of an instance where the Beskar might not be the best choice of invincible armor here. I don't know, that sounds like a Womp Rat-sized plot hole, though. <laughs> yeah, I... But convenient. Uh, but con- I, yeah, but I can't think of a spot where that might have happened elsewhere in the franchise. 
And well, well, I'm glad you can't because that would be a mess. I was going to say, we'll have to come back to that. Um, <laughs> we'll have to come back. We'll have to explore some other areas of the franchise and see right. if uh, see maybe if they- a, a, another TV show did that at one point. Um, that Kyle has not watched, but I have watched stuff with the marvelous Ming Na Wen. Yeah, see, thank you for the transition. Um, Beautiful so, transition. <laughs> so uh, we love Ming Na Wen. Uh, she is uh, the voice of Mulan. She plays Melinda May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we love her. We love everything she stands for. She's also the voice of Mulan in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> where she gets to reprise her role as Mulan. She also reprises her role in one episode of Princess Sophia or whatever that show is. Okay, well, I was going to go with actual content, not children's shows. Ralph oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> deemed to put um, children's show on your Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yeah, I as we know, Star Wars, Star Wars is for men in right. their mm-hmm. late 30s yes. and early 40s on Twitter and in the comments of Screen Rant articles. Right. This mm-hmm. is who the Star Wars movies yeah. are made for. I don't I don't uh, canonize Princess Sophia in the Disney uh, princess universe. So as far as uh, our fans are concerned or the people who mm-hmm. even listen to this podcast, uh, Princess Sophia does not exist in the Disney Princess franchise. Oh, she is her own thing. She can go away. I don't care about her. Wait until they have an episode where Leia comes and visits her. Then, then you'll see. Then you'll all see. <laughs> I don't know how that. I don't work. know what's okay. happening in this fight right now. I, I, I don't even know if it's a fight. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Got Mulan. Yes. Um, so uh, Ming Na Wen, she is great. Uh, I love this. Um, I, there's so many parts about this scene with her where they capture her and she's um, she's talking to them. There, she does this line. It's the funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's just mm-hmm. like she goes through these different motions of her character, where like she's trying the different aspects of trying to get out of being a prisoner. So she tries these different tactics all at once. My favorite is the beginning one, which is comedy. Um, where she goes, she goes, oh, look, the suns are coming up. Yep. And I love it. Like, she's trying to be like, wow, you know, Mando's been gone a long time. Like, you know, kind of thing, which is hilarious because I just love that she references the two suns. Um, I think it's cool because, like, where's even just like the the moves she tries, right? Because, like, in the fight scene and in here, everything she's doing is so precise. Yeah. And so, like, which makes sense because she's a sniper, right? It's like every, she doesn't waste a single action like in her fight scenes all of her moves connect and it's all fluid and her when she's trying to like even get to you know get them psychologically it's like she she's trying things and she's using it with precision i I just found it very cool and you could like it felt it i don't know it felt great one thing i really loved uh, was a tiny detail almost unnotable it's almost kind of played as a joke but when you stop to think about it, it starts to make sense where Mando tosses the cuffs at her and goes, cuff yourself. Mm-hmm. And where it looks like, oh, he's just kind of being a jerk about it. Like put the cuffs on yourself, dig your own grave kind of thing. Right. But no, she's established by the scene to be so proficient a martial artist mm-hmm. that if Mando gets close to cuff her, she'll attack him, incapacitate him. And then he's alone with, she's alone yeah. with Toro. Yeah. If, Toro goes up to cuff her. 
she's going to break his neck. Right. So it, it like, clearly he's aware of how dangerous she is and we've been shown how dangerous mm-hmm. she is. It makes sense for him to say, no, you put the cuffs on where I can watch you put them on. We're not getting anywhere near you. Mm-hmm. And I want to note to her costume um, or her outfit or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the, the, there's the design because I love the helmet the most out of everything because it gives me flashes to the Zori character. Um, Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss and Rise of Skywalker with that little slit to see through the helmet. Um, now, Kyle, Kyle, as we mentioned at the start of the show, has not actually seen Rise of Skywalker yet. So Kyle's living in kind of a lovely, Bliss. happy world uh, oh, where it's the Schrodinger's cat, where episode nine can be either I, really I did not good see or really bad nine. simultaneously. Oh. He's I, still living in that happy world. Well, okay. So, yeah. Okay, this might completely be completely off base because I'm trying to remember. I've vague memory. Am I beginning to get this confused with like this character from Power Rangers? Because you know, that might be my brain. But yeah. when Leia in, in episode six, when Leia comes to rescue Han and she's yeah. in like a bounty hunter outfit. Yeah. Does it look anything like this or am I making that up? No, I mean, I see what you're, you, so the connection that I'm uh-huh. thinking you're getting from it is the slit in the eye. Uh-huh. Um, because again, I haven't seen, actually right. seen that costume in a while. I don't even know what to Google to try to pull up an image. Of if it. you type in Leia Boosh costume, B-O-O, like S-C-H. Yeah, something like that. Lando's also in, uh, in return of the jedi has right. the slit as well in the exactly. eyes so ah, it's a thing okay. and then they use the same helmet the lando helmet in um solo a star wars story right. so the implication is this is just a thing that lando has on the falcon it's one of the disguises he's got right i'm not sure i think they're doing a comics run currently between a new hope and him or not a new hope and empire between empire and jedi that explains where the bounty hunter costume that Leia wears comes mm-hmm. from. I know in Shadow, in the original, it was in Shadows of the Empire. She gets it as part of that, but I don't know if we know the origin of the oh. costume in canon. I'd have to look it up. All right. Maybe I was, I was sure. gonna say yeah. if you look at if you just look up Boosh B. No, yeah, I, I found the picture now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's similar. I think they both have eye slits. Right. Is that a reference? Who's to say? No, I mean, I don't know. But I think because of the coloring, it's kind of like that orange kind of color. And so that's kind of like also where I was getting it. I really like the coloring of this. It just defines her as like, obviously like a main character because she's like got a a color that's more prominent than the background characters. But um, Mm. I really, I don't know. I just really liked her costuming. I really like the character. I think she is perfect for this uh, because, you know, she's great. Um, my only issue, I don't want to jump too far ahead unless you guys have anything else, but. I have a few things with this scene. Um, okay, keep going. We talked about, we talked about the the visor in the past, the scanner being able to just kind of do whatever. Yeah. I think this sort of establishes that it does search for heat signatures. Gotcha. And that's what he's look. That's what he's looking at when he looks at these things. It's kind of a what the plot needs it to. Yeah. So random memory from that Star Wars glossary encyclopedia thing. 
we had yeah. when we were younger. I believe that the Tuscan sand, or rather the sand people see an infrared. Yeah, uh, you know what? Actually, I feel like I've read that somewhere and I agree with you. I think you're right. I think they do. I also so, think that you're right. Which, that's which too I, random of a which, fact to not be true. So I'm going to hey, go I said it with such confidence. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so like, you know, I wonder. Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, I'll look it up real quick, but. Um, it doesn't need to be true. It's a thing about Star Wars on the internet. You can basically say whatever you want. Uh, well, no, because I'm going to get reamed by people who actually know. <laughs> All right. Um, Move. Oh, sorry, I just connected because you're talking about how the um, the scanners yeah. and stuff work. I was like, oh. I, I do want to note here as well, this was the moment that they dropped a reference. This was the moment that I started going, there are too many references in this episode. They reference Moss Espa. Moss Espa being the town from uh, Phantom Menace. So he's landed in the town from A New Hope. She's trying to go to the town from Phantom Menace. The only things that are not mentioned in this episode are Anchorhead, which is another prominent location uh, that showed up in Knights of the Old Republic and it showed up at a few other things. So it's like the third big city that most people know on Tatooine. And also kind of surprised they never referenced Tashi Station at any point, considering how many references they jam in here. They got the big ones though. They're like, we're going from one big city to the other big city. The the only two towns on this planet, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Moss Eisley and Moss Espa. Right. I, I guess mean, maybe maybe she, her contact was actually she just really wanted to watch some pod racing. I mean, maybe that, is that Moss Espa? <laughs> that is Moss. That is Moss Espa. That is the the Bunta Eve classic. Groovy. Right. Watch, they're going to have a pod racing episode here in a couple so of... the reference I happens mean, there as she's waiting for... They're trying to figure out what's going on, right? Right. And they, I kind of rolled my eyes at that because I went... And the last the last other thing that I noted here, besides just how pretty the volume is, I have several notes on how pretty the volume is. Yeah. Here, just how impressive it is. Uh, the Your name will be legendary line from the trailer. Like, that stuck out mm. to me. They say legendary says, like three times, I think, in this whole episode. And I'm like, oof. They really drive that point home. I was like, okay, we Which get is funny. Because at this point, it's it's implied in the trailer that it's directed at the Mandalorian, who by this point in the show, we do not know what his name is. Right. I I think I mean, you know, legendary is you know, ties into the theme of trust because it's about your reputation. And how you perceive by others and how you perceive yourself. Right. But and also thematically, we get in this scene here where she's talking to Toro, like as the suns are coming up, like we get some really cool shots of like yeah. the their sh- just shadow pro- silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Um, which especially on Tatooine, like we, you know, I believe I feel like there's a bunch of iconic shots with this, but I cannot say specifics because I right. that's not my the Tatooine uh, dual sunrise and dual sunset uh, is one of the most iconic images. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke standing there and watching the sun right. sunset uh, is the one of the, if not right. the iconic scene from the first Star Wars movie. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. I, I fact, thought about that, and then I 
I don't know if this is a real image or not, but like, wait, isn't there the thing with like Anakin from Phantom Menace where his shadow is Darth Vader? But like, I think it was just like a promo. It's a poster. It's a yeah, promo the, poster. The I'll right? go ahead and, and spoil for you, Kyle, uh, that the shot of uh, the sun's setting on Tatooine is also used in The Rise of Skywalker at one point. Oh, wow. So yeah, it, it shows up Who'd a couple of, it's also at the end of, it's also at the end of, um, it's also at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So it's, it's one of the big like images. Motifs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we're, you know, you know, they're making, they're trying to strike this deal, um, which like you can notice that she actually, like she, when we do say legendary, she goes, you know, she's kind of appealing to like, she kind of figures him out yeah because she's really smart because she's like you know what this kid is dumb (laughs) i can trick him into doing this for me so she's like dude you're gonna be legendary you're gonna be an influencer right you're going to be able to like big follows money yeah they're like everybody's gonna know your name like he's gonna be so great like she's really appealing to his like younger generation wants to be famous kind of vibes like it's so hilarious how they do that 2000 mm-hmm. followers 20 bucks right follow this link but then we we do get from him like he's kind of calculating in his brain like okay wait oh my god i would be legendary mm-hmm. da, da, da. but then he's also not dumb because he's like yeah that is a good idea thanks for that and then he shoots her yeah <laughs> what do i need you for right he's actually so smart because he's like well if i keep her alive that's just one more liability right I think it's cool because like so far we just like kind of she's brings up with him. It's like, yeah, Mando's been calling the shots. Mando's been the one who's been cunning and coming up with these plans. But it's like, he's learned a thing or two. Yeah. So he's not the dumb little twink we thought. Like he he knows what he's doing. I mean, turns out he's he's a different person now. He's evil. Right. Turns out he's the bad twink. Bad guy. All twinks, of course, turn out to be evil eventually. Right. As we well know. And I'm not excluding present company from that. Right. And I was really sad too because, you know, he walks away and Mando eventually does come back, right? And mm-hmm. he discovers the dead body. And I was really sad about that because, as far as we know, you know, she is dead and he mm-hmm. even like, you know, kicks the body or something. And he's that like, shocked oh. me. Yeah. When I saw a, it initially, I, it was like, I did too. Yeah. It was like IG 11. I was like, you introduced this prominent character. Wait, what are you played, about? Uh, Not IG. In the first episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. they introduced the title no, with they Teeny Droid. Yeah. Or and they, then they shoot sorry. him yeah. right at the end of the episode. And I went, that's it? That's it. The that's same here. This is the same that's thought it? process I had, too. Because I was like, whoa, you got this super, like, high profile hitter yeah. of a actor. And they're only playing one role, like, uh, for well, one They episode. couldn't afford her for more than one episode. Well, clearly. You know, so they're like, you know what? We'll shoot her through the middle. There's no way people can come back from that, right? Darth Maul getting cut right. in the middle can't come back from that. Like, they're they like, where can we shoot her where it's impossible to come? There is one and one re- one reason only that people stay dead in the Star Wars universe, and that's when you can't get any merchandise from them anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I yeah, I, it's kind of true. I mean. But again, I was so upset because I was like, why did you cast her if you were only going to give her one episode? She was such a cool idea of a character, like, a, you know, mm. this really impressive female bounty hunter, which, like I said in the previous episode, Charles, 
the reason why I didn't like the character of Cara Dune is because she was not a bounty hunter. She was a rebel, you know, shock trooper instead of being an actual, like, you know, not necessarily a good person. Like, it's just, it's kind of like, just like Mando where like, they're kind of a questionable, you know, kind of character. So I would have liked, honestly, this Fennec Shan character would have been my idea for what Cara Dune would have been. Um, because I wanted this this female bounty hunter character, which we haven't really seen in the series as a major character. So especially the fact that you got, you know, Ming-Na Wen to play her, I was like, this is the opportunity. Like you clearly know. she will do a long-term TV show. She was an agent of Shield for I don't know how many <laughs> right. seasons. Yeah, she she pay her will money, do it. she will do it. Right. Just like a bounty hunter. She knows yep. she knows when the role is good enough to stay for a long time. So she will do it. I mean, you know, so I was really sad because I was like, she's never coming back. Like as at this point, you know? And so. Well, I, well I yeah. That. In that moment, it's like, Oh wow. So there must really be setting up this Toro guy to like be a big villain. Cause like if they're using him to kill off this person, right. he's like, this is like, you can tell it's, you know, this is his origin story, right? We're on Tatooine. Yeah. We're seeing the sun set the shadows going and like, mm-hmm a kid that you know mando is kind of mentoring and then kind of going astray it's like okay i can see what you're setting up here at least i thought as we go into the next scene it's actually this next scene is really really quick the yeah uh, surprisingly um i thought it was gonna drag on a little bit but i realized as i was re-watching this i was like oh there's only seven minutes left in the episode by this point and three of those minutes are the credits so you know what i mean like which are the art credits or whatever so I was shocked because I was like, you're right. I thought they were setting him up now because I was like, oh, he's going to be this big, bad, you know, whatever. Um, who's going to maybe be like a nuisance later on in the show. And then. It know. is, it is kind of like, I watched this episode again. I actually watched it. My day job gives me 30 minutes for lunch. Right. I watched most of this episode on my 30 minute lunch break while I was eating my sandwich. I think I had about 10 minutes after that I had to finish up on my break. California law requires them to give us breaks. Um, But it was, it was a short episode. And if you watch these like five minutes of it, seven minutes of the runtime is just the credits, which are, you know, beautiful. Well, and you know what, I think the reason why that is, is, we can get into it in a second, but if you have anything else for the rest of the episode, because um, uh, we can go into the directed by in a second. I we'll, have. A we few didn't notes. get to what actually happens here at the end, though. Oh. Yeah, we we need to get through the last scene. What happened? I'm oh, on the edge sorry. of my seat here. Sorry, uh, I didn't. Well, even Mando's dodge. Mando's cape swoops dramatically at one point because it is a Star Wars property, so there mm-hmm. is a cape, and the cape swoops. So he 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 takes the do back back to the hangar. Right confronts uh toro and then and this will this be yeah the speeder bikes out front so he knows that Toro's there right Uh uh-huh he toro has taken uh amy sedaris and baby yoda captive um which i thought was kind of silly too because like i don't know he doesn't really know the connection between you know amy sedaris and him so but he probably doesn't also want to just let her right hands free or whatever the, dro- the, the droids are hiding in the office or whatever like <laughs> he's also he's also just kind of a giant asshole yeah 
Mm-hmm. Like he's he's just seems like the kind of person who, if you give him the opportunity to lord some power over someone, he's going to take that opportunity. It's a really unlikable kind of character to where he clearly wants to be respected and feared, but he's so pathetic and stupid well, that yeah, he's like, almost overcompensating when he gets in a position where he, he had this one victory where he felt like he outsmarted this you know world-class bounty hunter. And now he's so cocksure that he's just like, he starts, you know, villain monologuing almost right. when it's like, you, 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 this is this just is take a, the you, thing and go. Just, yeah, you, you're not going to get to last as a villain if you keep doing this, right? And what's funny about that is too is he doesn't learn or he doesn't remember the lesson from capturing Fennec, which was let's use the flashbangs to distract her or whatever mm-hmm. to block her vision, and then Mando uses the flashbang to blind him so that he can mm-hmm. get everything back to normal, like save Amy and then save mm-hmm. the child. I do love that, uh, that, that Amy takes the opportunity to needle him uh-huh. in this tense, dramatic moment. She just has to stop and be like, maybe you're not as stupid as you look. Right. And but I'm like, like, of course you're gonna take like an extra two seconds just to needle him. About I, you know, r- risk getting discovered to needle, like, but honestly, she does. She she can do it. She can do it. She, uh, so he gets shot and he dies, and yeah. she gets his money. And of course, everybody loves Baby Yoda. They talk about how great Baby Yoda is. So to wait to clarify, so like the the payment he uses for her is like because he originally was like I got like fifty imperial credits, and he paid her with a different type of currency or like like just he paid her with the credits. Metal. I think he paid her with the credits he took off the guy's body. Yeah, there's oh, okay. A, I wasn't sure he like pulled out more that he was holding off on her. Like I didn't understand what's right. happening there. No, I think he just picked up the thing and just and then tossed it at her and was like, "Here, you keep the money. Right, it's the payment for the repairs of the ship." They reference Beggars Canyon, which is another fucking reference to yeah. a place we've heard of. Yeah, in the Star Wars franchise. I love me some deep cuts, but God, they've listed every place on Tatooine. Every single place on Tatooine, yeah. They, they, I mean, I guess they had to, but I mean, they didn't have to, but like, it was kind of like, a, well, we're going to do it if we can, you know? And I mean, I think that's, is that the last reference? There's no more references, right? There is. Other than the final, final, final. Other scene. than the final, final shot. No, that's the last reference. The ship takes off Got and it. the ship is off again. We've ended the episode on, on the classic. Character. The ship is, well, but not quite because the ship flies off, but that's not actually the last sequence of the episode. Right. Oh, you're right. So we, one more little bit. So this is, this is a part that's very contentious because I think a lot of people had different theories about this scene because <clears throat> one thing, well, first of all, it's, we see a pair of mysterious boots coming up on Fennec's dead body, right? Now I want to ask, and this is this is my question of this scene. Yeah. Knowing, obviously, we we pretend that we don't know things that are coming right. up on the show, but right. obviously, all three of us know who this turns out to be. So I want to jump back to when you when first saw this yeah. episode. <clears throat> who did you think, or who did you want it to be? I'll go first since I have yeah. my oh, yeah, you down first. here while you yeah. two are thinking. Uh, I thought it was based on the boots because they're the same boots that he uses. I thought it was Boba Fett. You did. I didn't want it to be Boba Fett. Right. For reasons we will get into in later episodes, I didn't want him to come back. Yeah. I wanted it to be Bosk. 
Interesting. That's it, it wouldn't have made sense because the Trandoshans don't wear the boots. They don't wear shoes, yeah. But it would have been interesting for that to be who it was that found her because we don't see a whole lot from him. He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite designs for characters. Gotcha. I just wanted it to be him. I knew it wasn't him, but I wanted it to be him. Okay. Kyle, who did you think it was? So here was my reaction. Initially, you know, watching that, we were introduced to Fennec, who is this amazing bounty hunter assassin person, right? Who could easily be an, a recurring villain throughout the first season. And she gets killed, as far as we are aware, by this other one who looks like they could have been being set up to be the next big bounty hunter person antagonist to Mando, right? But he dies. So my thought was that, oh, this is just going to be, this is going to be a bigger, badder bounty hunter that's going to be on Mando's tail. Because they're on the tail, they're going to go after Fennec, they use, they're going to use this as a clue and figure out that Mando was here and try to follow after Mando. So that was my, where I thought this was going. Did you have any idea of who a character that it might be, or did you just think from a storytelling standpoint? I thought it was going to be a new character, or at least a character new to me, because as far as I was aware, the most famous bounty hunter that I knew had been on this planet, but died there in a pit of Sarlacc, or whatever, Sarlacc pit. Well, and that's the the thing. People were like... Well, it can't be Boba Fett because he died in the Sarlacc pit. But then if you mm. read the comic books, you know that Boba Fett crawled out of the Sarlacc pit and da 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 in Legends or blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. This is bullshit. He did get out. Yeah. He did get out in Legends um, right. by methods. Yeah, it's long and it's long and complicated. See, and frankly, it's very stupid. Did he escape in Lego Star Wars? Because that's the real... <laughs> That's, that's how we know it's true. Uh, according to the definitive canon version, which is Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, mm-hmm. uh, he does, in fact, perish in the Sarlacc pit. Now, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is coming out this spring. So it could overwrite that with new Disney canon. Gosh. We don't know. We won't know until that game comes out. And also, none of you will see me for about two weeks when that game comes out. Right. These, these spoiled new generations with the retconning, there's Lego Star Wars. Yes. Like, why can't we have one thing? In my day, in my day, you played the pod race from the original Lego Star Wars game, and you note-perfected that fucking thing, and you fought through it, and you cried your little nine-year-old eyes out trying to beat this stupidly hard level and you liked it and you said thank you and you came back for more these entitled new generation of fans with their remaking the games to be fun and accessible no if it's not as hard and terrible and badly designed as when i was a kid it's not worth it charles i was with you for kind of like the beginning the end of that but the middle there sounded like it got kind of personal and uh, you know, i was like you're losing specific. Me, are you okay <laughs> i am not okay but that is not a subject for this podcast all right um i so, have been Brad, i have back played on a track. lot of old star wars games let's put it that way i have seen some things okay well back on track um so th- my theory about who the person was uh, that came up on shenick's body actually has to do a lot with who the director of the episode was so we get the directed by after that scene mm-hmm. 
which was directed and written by Dave Filoni. So I knew that in my brain, I was thinking, okay, Dave Filoni wrote this and Dave Filoni directed this. Dave Filoni is not going to put this scene in here and not pick somebody from the Clone Wars. So my so, thought process. Could you, could you just like clue me? Who is Dave Filoni? Sorry. Dave, um, Dave Filoni uh, right. quite famously is, uh, he's the, he did the Clone Wars with George Lucas. So he mm. was kind of the creative director, uh, oversaw the Clone Wars under Lucas. He's widely considered to be Lucas's successor. Gotcha. Star Thank Wars you. franchise. He uh, studied directly under Lucas and worked with him for years doing the Clone Wars. Uh, he also did Rebels after the fact. He's done episodes of The Mandalorian. He worked really closely with John Favreau on The Mandalorian. He's kind of the arbiter of like the Force and a lot of other mystical things. Uh, he will weigh in on different projects. Uh, so he's kind of one of the guys at Lucasfilm. He's one of the major creative voices, and he's considered Understood. basically to be Lucas's successor in terms of some of this lore here. So if his stamp is on something, it's a pretty big deal. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why there are so many references in this episode is because of him. Um, you know, he is a big fan of Lucas and all of his stuff. So he wanted to kind of pay homage to him in his first, you know, written episode that he did. Um, and this is actually the first episode of the show not written by John Favreau, who is the oh. showrunner. So he's, this is a big deal that this episode is the way it is. But the reason why I said that Dave Filoni writing directing this influenced my decision is because there's only one other character in all of Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels, anything that has these kind of Western boot spurs that we know of, which is- I think I know what you're gonna say which is the character that is featured a bounty hunter that is featured in the clone wars tv show for a couple arcs who is um cad bane and we never we never do find out what happened to him right and so i thought that this character had to be the character they were setting up because i thought they're gonna do this first season is gonna be like one arc but this scene right here was going to set up the fact that there's going to be a season two villain later on who's the actual villain, right? Mm. So I think that's what they were kind of, that my, my brain, I was thinking, my producer brain, I was thinking like, okay, there's a season one villain, but that's not really the real villain. The real mm. villain is coming much later. That's a bigger, badder villain who is just supposed to be Mando's equal, right? Like that's yeah. how they always do it. The hero always has to have like an anti-hero, right? So I was going to say that like, we have to find a bounty hunter or a Mandalorian character that is just the evil version of Mando. There's always an evil version of the hero. So there's Venom for Spider-Man. There's, you know, whatever, right? So I thought it would be Cad Bane because he's a very good bounty hunter, but he's also considered one of the villain, major villains of the Clone Wars TV show. And I thought, well, if Dave Filoni is writing and directing this episode, why would he not hint at cad bane showing up later on on you know the mandalorian because it's his like you know he's basically helping write the show so it's like fucking put one of my characters on the show that i created not yet no not yet but i thought that would have been such a better option than boba fett 
And the reason why is because I feel like putting Boba Fett on the show would have been a cheap shot, you know, because we wouldn't have had time to let Mando grow as a character and, you know, be the Mandalorian. If you that was another Mandalorian. That was part of the concern I had with the theory is people right. thought that they were going to reveal that it was Boba Fett at the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. And part of my concern with bringing in established characters was I was like, I want these new characters to be able to kind of have the chance to grow and have the chance to be on their sort of on their own as, as characters before you start bringing the established characters in. And again, we won't get to it in this episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll, when we'll, we get we'll around to season two. Right. We'll never although, find out who it is this season, which is weird. Although, although we will, uh, this is not the last that we will see of Finnick Shand before we see Mando season two, or we get to covering Mando season two, because she is actually going to appear in the Bad Batch. So Bradley, you and I will be seeing Finnick Shand again very, very soon. I thought you were getting out there like, she shows up in the background of season one and I just didn't realize it. I was like, no, 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 I missed no. something. No, she's going to be in the new show. Uh, she's going to okay, be in okay. the new show. That, that, so. that makes a lot more sense. I was like, right. Between this and, okay, sorry. Right. Well, and actually, so timeline wise, this is very interesting because assuming what we haven't seen season two of the Mandalorian, like, so mm-hmm. see, assuming that we are, have only seen up to this point in the Mandalorian. And by the time we start the Bad Batch, we have had finished season one. Of the Mandalorian. So we've only seen that in the timeline, right? Yeah. Fennec Shan will show up again in the Bad Batch and we're going to go, oh, we get to know this character more that we didn't get to know in this because she, quote, died in this season. So now we're going to get to get more of her backstory or some kind of like extra information on her, which is really cool because, you know, like I said, I was really sad to see her, quote, die. Yeah. So now we get to get more of her in this other show, which is technically happening. Before this, before it's a prequel. Right. Yeah. I I will probably do one of my giant rewatches uh, at some point in the future. Again, I will pick a several month span and it'll be interesting to see with all this new stuff that's coming out when you arrange it in chronological order, right? how it sort of works out. But did you guys have anything else for this episode? overall thoughts that hadn't been covered in the the breakdown so i had one which was that like part of me originally watching the episode hoped that like because obviously a big part like as soon as the opening credits or or rather the title screen goes like and he lands in the hangar there's a thing where he shoots at the droids where he's like you know further establishing he doesn't trust the droids but then after this he trusts all these people that should not be trusted like part of me was hoping that by the end he would like let one of the droids do something for his ship here, but that just didn't happen. And so that I mean, obviously that character growth or lack thereof right. might be explored later on. But I was just kind of surprised that it would, didn't play a role here. So I think we do get this. I mean, we'll probably it'll probably touch on this later on. But I think what they do with Mando's character with the reference to any kind of droid is early on in the show, you know, we slowly, we know that he doesn't trust droids for a particular reason. We don't know why, but we know that he doesn't trust them. And then as the show progresses, we get flashbacks of this traumatic moment in his childhood, right? Do we already, by this episode though, get some of those flashbacks? We have seen the flashbacks. We have seen the beginnings of the flashbacks. We don't get like the whole story yet, but we do get 
the, well, we have the, seen the, most of it. Yeah, um, the the parents, the boom, the scary right. droid face. So we know that his parents died at yeah. the hands of droids. Yeah. So that does play into his distrust of the robot yeah. species. Um, but you're, what you're paralleling, which is really interesting, is that he doesn't trust robots, but he does trust these maybe like seedier characters more mm. or more willingly than he would a robot, which can only mm -hmm. be programmed to just feel a certain way or act a certain way. So really he has his mistrust in droids is actually unfounded because, you know, the droids that killed his parents, right. were programmed to kill people. There's not right. like, you know, the little R5 D4 that's working at the bar now is not going to hurt you is not going to do anything bad or, you know, whatever they don't really have their AI is just kind of like silly sometimes. Like they yeah. kind of have some kind of personality, but it's just to kind of make it more bearable to deal with them. In fairness, I do trust my iPhone more than I trust most twinks. Right. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's all we have for this episode. Kyle, would you like to plug anything? Um, so n nothing in particular. I'm a stream five days a week on Twitch. My handle is at Kyletron, K-Y-L-E-C-T-R-O-N. But it is undergoing tuned. a branding. I believe yes, I am undergoing a mention. My I'm going to I am planning on changing that. I haven't solidified the new name. This will be like I want to change it back to my original name, but it's not available. So Char Charles will keep you all posted. We if, will you know, yeah. we will make sure the episode description yeah, in the uh, description includes here, if it changes before where then, you can find Kyle. For now it's it would be it's at, at Kyle Electron at, on Twitch, Twitter, yeah. uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And you will find I was gonna say just for me, what are you playing on Twitch? I don't know how that all works. So great question. So I usually stream um well, kind of variety focusing on making sure the content is trying to be accessible for people who have not played the games before and stuff like that. But my main games are Pokemon in all of its forms, Dead by Daylight, Magic the Gathering, other strategy stuff. You know, okay, very good mix. Silly, yeah. queer nonsense. Gotcha. If you <laughs> drop by Kyle's stream, uh, chances are good. Unless I am off recording one of these episodes, you will probably find me in that Twitch chat moderating for him. Gotcha. Yes. So check Charles him out. Job. It's it's pretty it's a pretty fun time, pretty chill. We have fun over there. Go check him out. Uh, harass him about all the Star Wars things he got wrong. Don't actually do that. I will ban you. No, actually do that. I will. I will stop. <laughs> I will remove Charles's mod powers if he tries to ban you for harassing me for my lack of Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> I think, in fact, I like. I think people who don't know Star Wars should be rewarded. But that's neither here nor there. I, I think they are rewarded with a good life. That, that's free true. Free of pain and suffering. Listen, I, I'm full of the blissful ignorance that comes from knowing that I will never see Rise of Skywalker <laughs> and being very okay with that. One more thing before we go. I want to make sure we plug. Uh, we are on Twitter as of this recording, at Gold Squad Gaze. You can follow us to see when new episodes go live. And we also have Instagram, which i believe bradley is just gold squadron gaze yep that's it you can follow us on twitter and instagram and other than that we are finally through all of the plugs we need to get through we'll <laughs> right. be back next week with we're coming up on the end the final three episodes and then a little bit of filler and then we're 
getting closer to Bad Batch. It's exciting. They grow up so fast. Exactly. I don't didn't mean to disparage Star Wars fans. Don't actually be mad at me. <laughs> That's okay. I'll be I'll be mad at you for them. Oh yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on again. The the burgeoning daddy cruised the twink at the bar. And they're about to take a little detour sitting in the sand. Cause like, oh, I guess we'll have to sit here for 12 hours and see what goes on. <laughs>